Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to another, another grand shindig of an episode of Player One here on Sin. I am Connor. Why am I talking British and going in between accents? I don't know. I'm just that happy and excited to be here. It's been a while. I'm joined alongside by my good pals, Lenny, Dem, and Max. We have a massive show today, a lot of big releases, a lot of news, a lot of stuff coming up, but as well, you know, if you want to catch us in the, the, the podcast realm, go check us out. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Omni, all those fantastic places. And as well, go check us out in the social medias, the Facebooks, the Twitters, the Instagrams, and the TikToks at Player One Sim. We make funny content, everybody. We're, we're comedians now. I love it. We're, we're going to be on top of Just for Last. It's going to be great. And as well, we've got, we got some stuff in our podcast feed that you should check out, um, like <clears throat> my review of Tetris Effect Connected my review of Popeye. Yes, that is a real thing. Please do listen to it. It's one of the worst games I've ever played. And as well, Crash Team Racing Nitro Fuel, one of my favorite games I've ever played. And as well, we got another great little uh, interview up with a Twitch streamer, Elmza. Uh, check that out on all the podcast realms. And as well, go check it out on YouTube. We're going to have some video content. But of course, as well, uh, we are still in COVID times and as well, just in the world as a whole, it's a depressing place. But if you are struggling in any way, shape or form, please get in contact um, with Beyond Blue at 1-300-224-636, Kids Helpline at 1-800-55-1800 and QLife at 1-800-184-527. So if you are struggling in any way, shape or form, um, please give them a call and they will be able to give you a bit of a hand with everything going on in the world. And of course, it is time, folks, time for the news and lots of fun stories, lots of trailers actually being dropped in the past week. But one thing we did get was some gameplay footage because Hogwarts Legacy finally got a footage reveal at PlayStation State of Play. Very exciting. Lots of Harry Potter fans highly anticipating that release. So hopefully it lives up to the expectations. But GTA 5 loads twice as fast on PS5 that it does on PS4, not very exciting, but Connor, Ooh. what do you think? Ooh, faster load times really kicking in. I love it. Yeah. It, it is nice. I would say that's probably my favorite thing about current gen is faster load times. But speaking of faster just gaming experiences, speedrunners have well and truly begun the search to make their mark on Elden Ring. And currently, as date of recording, the fastest speedrun of Elden Ring has been completed by streamer Distortion2, who cruised the game in just under 29 minutes, which is, oh, what? Which is amazing. And we will be discussing Elden Ring later. So How? How? I, He's a speedrunner. He went quick. Yeah, I think our, our take on the game will be a bit different to that, but stay tuned for that. 
Uh, speaking of release dates, Umbrella Academy announces a June 22nd release date for the upcoming season three, which is very exciting. I'm super keen, love Umbrella Academy, and hopefully season three will be just as good as the first two. But another thing we'll be discussing later on the show is the second ever Video Game Accessibility Awards were held this past week. So stay tuned for that. We'll go through the winners, our hot takes, as well as just discussing how awesome it is that these awards even exist. Uh, Russia is reportedly easing its copyright laws to offset sanctions imposed by Western nations in response to its invasion of Ukraine. So in essence, this basically means that these copyright laws easing allows things like video games, movies, and TV shows to be pirated legally in Russia, which is a very bizarre, I guess, turn of events. Uh, interesting situation given you know how rampant piracy is anyways it's quite bizarre to see a country like russia basically giving people permission to do it so oh, well, this this is an interesting thing because it actually extends beyond that to even like branches like coca-cola mcdonald's stuff like that so with companies like that retreating from russia due to the actions that their government has taken in the past few months or weeks i suppose um they now are trying to implement this stuff so business can run as usual just with people who aren't associated with those brands running the show so a branch of mcdonald's can just be run by random people uh from the street which is kind of like okay so business as usual but like also like yikes so it's a it's a much larger and scarier thing than it actually seems to be from what it looks like it's like limewire is legal but also everything else is legal and it's a mess it's an interesting one um but now turning to Halo because the Halo TV series has gotten some early reviews and look they're not bad but then they're, they're not great mostly mixed you know a lot of controversy now which we covered I remember end of last year is um the appearance of Cortana she doesn't look great people are talking about it but I'm always the optimist so hopefully hopefully the the early reviews aren't an indication of the whole show but moving on as well, EA have confirmed that this year their EA Play live event will be cancelled. Um, this is reportedly due to things not lining up as they had wished or anticipated, aka they don't have content to show. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> we all know what that means. Um, first trailer for um, Marvel's upcoming TV show, Ms. Marvel, dropped and revealed a June release date for the show. Exciting. Hopefully it's good. It looks awesome. Um, and lastly, or two two final pieces of news before we we head over to Dem for the releases. Um, folks, exciting news for Xbox fans. The Series S and X has outsold the PS5 in Europe for the first time ever last month. You know, could this be a permanent shift in sales? Who knows? Stay tuned. Probably not, but you never know. And lastly, <laughs> another trailer, Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer dropped featuring Inquisitors and Star Wars Rebels. And of course, rumors of Hayden Christensen, which I'm pretty sure has been confirmed. I think it has been confirmed. Yeah, yeah. I just saw the the casting list. Yeah, especially when it, when it when it has stuff that is breathing at the end of the trailer. I think it's pretty much confirmed he's going to come back. I think an ad hit me. Sorry, guys, that's a me problem. No, that's okay. But the trailer did drop, and of course, we're all very excited to see Hayden Christensen return. Um, and we love we love Vader, so can't go wrong. But Dem, over to you. What are our Indeed. new releases for the week? Oh, I am so keen. I'm keen for these releases. Like, I am keen to see Ewan McGregor return. My boy, Ewan McGregor. Hello there. Ah, starting off with some wonderful, wonderful releases on March 22, we have Rune Factory 5 on Switch. After that, on March 24, we have The Ascent for PS5 and PS4. Exposition, Expedition Zero for PC uh, on March 24. Lemote. 
the Master Moat Chronicles uh, for PC, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and Stadia. Get the, get the, there we go. Stadia bell yeah. is ringing. Are you tapping a mug? Oh, I am. That's exactly right. That's what we have. That's, that's my new Stadia bell. Nutshell, people. We <laughs> tap mugs for bells. You, you, want, you want to hear what the sound of, like, that is the saddest sounding mug ever. Anyway, Ghostwire Tokyo releasing March 25 for PC and PS5. Kirby and the Forgotten Land releasing on Switch on also March 25. Tiny Tina's Wonderland for PC, PS5, Xbox Series S and X, PS4 and Xbox One on March 25. And Lost Judgment, the Kaito Files DLC releasing on PS5, Xbox Series S and X, PS4 and Xbox One. Wow, whoever wrote that PS5, Xbox, PS4, my tongue was just doing a doing a loop-de-loop. -loop. And that one is releasing on March 28. It is a fab time to be alive. And uh, Ellen Ring, it's out. People are loving it. Um, what, what do you think, Dem? Because I know you've been playing it a lot, yeah. Well, I feel like there's a bit of a, a misnomer going around that I'm the one who's uh, who's played, played this thing to death and I'm really good at it. I'm okay at it. Um, I've never played a FromSoft game for more than an hour because I got really frustrated with Dark Souls. Um, and so Elden Ring sounded really good. So I sat down with it and I've been playing for six hours. And so far, you know how like on, on PlayStation, they have the thing that tells you how far you are through a quest on like the, the PlayStation menu. That's like, how many percent through this achievement are you or quest yes. or whatever. Um, so I've been playing for like maybe six, seven, eight hours. Not sure. It still says zero percent. So... <laughs> Um, but I'm loving just beating the shit out of uh, giants. It's great. I'm bad at it, but it's great. And the, the horse thing is fun. Uh, but I have no idea how far in I am. I'm uh, and I'm loving all of it so far. Well, you're zero percent of the way through, Dem. I thought that was clear. You knew that. Yeah. I don't know though. Like, cause like that's the full game because it's just called Elden Ring like the, the the quest like the main quest which I've never seen on a game before because like in Spider-Man it was just like I'm very new to PlayStation for all the people who were like what, the, what is she talking about what is she not understand this it's like because I'm very new to this I played on a switch just chill the chill the duck out okay um but the thing about it was that like the main quest of the game I'm assuming once you finish it it does that thing that you did in Bloodborne because I am invested in these games because I watched a lot of people play them uh and speed run them and at the end of it it goes like you just completed Bloodborne and that's the that's the that's the quest you know do it do the thing um but yeah I do find myself getting lost often but also having a lot of fun often just doing my own thing which is my favorite thing to do in a video game usually when it tells me to go in one direction I go in the opposite direction um but I've also heard from a lot of people that kids are loving this game because they can just run around and beat up a dragon for the hell of it you know just have a great time I had I ran into somebody who was talking to me the other day about their five-year-old who was just like, they bought them Arceus and Elden Ring. And she had literally just been plugging out Elden Ring and was taking on Lake Dragon. And I was like, oh, more balls than me, babe. I, I ran in the other direction. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Cause I'm, yeah, I was going to ask you, cause I remember we covered this a bit before it released about how you know they were talking about this game being more accessible than previous titles is that something that you found playing through it that you think it is the kind of game that I guess appeals to every type of gamer yeah totally I mean every time I fail a dodge I can just run away on my horse boy and come back to it later and there is an escape whereas in a lot of I found in Dark Souls 
if I was sucking profanity, you know, if I was having an absolute time of it, I couldn't get away from it. Like there was, it was just, there was one path, that was it. If I wanted to get away from that, tough to the ladies, my dude, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to deal with that. Um, and I definitely think that that is being remedied because when I see something that's too scary and awful, I just go, yeah, that's nice. Um, and I can see the golden thing telling me to go that way, but I'll go in the other direction. Um, and other things that are great are like checkpoints, which have become a, a major blessing. Uh, I think they're called sites of their stakes of something. I can't remember. As I said, I am 0% of the way through the game. But there are the, there are these checkpoints that you can like respawn at, which are usually closer to battle sites. They aren't very frequent. Um, oh, I guess they're kind of frequent if I'm honest. But like the nice thing is, I've literally gotten this far by just running past nasties and then pumping up my attack strength, and then just being super pumped on attack and dodging everything. And I, I learned this from Jacksepticeye because I was really interested in FromSoft games, but I sucked at them. And here I am now all of a sudden being good at it. And I'm very keen to get very, very good at it so I can do other things uh, like play Bloodborne, which is much harder. So yeah, I, I, I definitely think it's more accessible is the answer to that question. Yeah, and look, you're already pretty comfortable and you're only 0% of the way there. Imagine that you're going to be like a 5%. You'll just be like, you know. As I get stormed by my millions of guards and die. Um, yeah, I'm doing great, guys. Don't worry about it. Exactly. Um, well, yeah, speaking of Elden Ring, one thing that's really interesting is how well it's been performing in terms of sales. Um, there was a recent report from software released, um, obviously, you know, pumping up how well the game's doing, but it's actually quite amazing. Um so, so far, based off data from NPD and from software, um, it is the second best launch in the last 12 months, um, only falling short of Call of Duty Vanguard. Um, the other thing that's quite amazing, it's already the best selling game of 2022, you know, even though it only released two weeks ago. Um, and it's already the best, the, the fifth highest best selling game of the past 12 months, having only been released again for two weeks. So, in terms of sales, people are obviously loving the game. Um, we sort of chatted off air about how, you know, the the marketing might not have been huge for this game, but people are loving it, you know. So it's an amazing to think that it's already the fifth best-selling game of the past year and it's only been released for two weeks. So I think it has the capacity to potentially be one of the highest grossing games in, I don't know, the past decade. What do you think, Dan? Oh, I, I would definitely agree. I think it's, even if you're not super invested in doing this 80-hour story and all these other things, there's so much to do in this world that, like, I've literally just gone towards the main quest because I felt like I was wasting time bumming around. But, yeah, I, I feel like people could really find an amazing, uh, just an amazing experience in this. And I definitely think it makes sense that it would grow and all sorts of things like that. And a, another release that's happened fairly recently that I did not expect to buy, but I did. Um, WWE 2K22, the sort of make it or break it title for 2K in the series, because we all know the disaster that was WWE 2K20. And then additionally, we're also aware of the mediocrity that was WWE 2K Battlegrounds. Um, so I purchased this game i may have made a mistake at buying it full price but i as someone who hasn't played a wwe game in probably three four years damn it felt nice actually coming back and eleni you we're both wrestling fans here you actually played the game uh, please tell me what are you thinking 
Yeah, well, as you said, firstly, it's nice to, um, you know, start up a wrestling game and it's actually playable because, yeah, as you alluded to, the the big sort of issue with 2K20 was that it was honestly unplayable. Like, it was basically the most broken game, worse than Assassin's Creed Unity, which just goes to show how bad it was. Um, And, you know, something else we covered is sort of this series fatigue, and I think that 2K made a great decision in that they took a year off. They took a year off. They regrouped and released a polished game that, as you said, is probably the best wrestling game in years. You know, I've I've said this before and I'll say it again. I think it's the best um, wrestling game that 2K has, has developed, which is fantastic. Um, something that's really good and refreshing is all of the different game modes. You know, obviously we all love getting in the ring, battling it out with our friends, but I love the variety that they offer. Um, as you said, I have played quite a bit of it. You know, My Rise is sort of the career equivalent, you know, the rags to riches story, which is lovely. You know, even just something that now is a commodity, but back in the day was not really a thing. You know, having... The- we, we did have like the season modes, which were very well done. No, we did. What I was going to say is now um, I can actually play as a female wrestler. Oh, ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is now the commodity that was not a thing way back Sorry. in the day. That wasn't a thing. Oh, actually, I played a WWE game back in like the thousands. I played yeah, they didn't. They Smackdown. didn't really have much of a female career path in the game, so definitely, I th- I thought they had that in two K twenty as well. Actually, they, did, they didn't they, have much of a female career path. I love that as well. I'm sorry, just reflecting. They were, refre- just reflecting, reflecting the reality of the world. Let's be honest. Oh my god! Um, now Too it's much. like women can have careers, so now let's include. What? Them again. Yeah, no way! Oh my god! I know how weird. Um, but speaking of women having careers, another thing that's great is my GM mode. It's probably my favorite mode, actually. Um, it's sort of similar to the the mode that we saw in SmackDown versus Raw for anyone who played yeah. those games. Uh, but it's really fun. You can choose to play as either one of the existing GMs, so someone like Sonya Deville, William Regal, Stephanie McMahon, Shane McMahon, and then you pick a brand, you pick your opposing brand, and who's going to GM that brand, and you basically just run through the logistics of what being a general manager would be. I find that so fun. I love organizing games. So working out things like finances, which wrestlers are going to represent my brand. Are they going to be heel? Are they going to be face? Who's going to, you know, Mm. enter a feud with each other. It's really fun. But one thing you mentioned, Connor, was the, the changed controls. You were adjusting to those a bit. Yeah. So the last, the last WWE 2K game, I think I really put proper time into I'm going to say was 2K18, maybe 2K18, 2K19. And I was very used to that control style. And it was back then it was, it was a, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of thing. Um, But obviously because they changed it in 2K20 as well, but that went, that went over like a fart in church. So um, at least with 2K22, they've changed it to be a lot more, I don't know. It, it it feels simpler. It feels more arcadey than the previous games. I definitely noticed that. Yeah, I think um the the main theme of 2K22 I think is just going back to the roots and really going for sort of quality over quantity. I think like you said the controls are definitely simplified, maybe a t- to its detriment, but I actually don't mind it. I think it's all right to just have one button be reversal you know, basic pin controls, basic submission controls. I would much rather that and have the gameplay be fluid, which I definitely think it is, than overcomplicating it to the point where, as we mentioned, you know, it it becomes a broken mechanic, really. See, 
I think nothing will ever beat how good and how amazing the controls and arcadey feel that um, SmackDown Here Comes the Pain had because that was that was definitely the peak of WWE games in my opinion because it had that great blend of it was an arcade style game um, with a great roster, great amount of a great move set for everybody. So this is a step in the right direction, but I do wish that the controls were more like that style. That's all. That would definitely be my one gripe with it. But another thing that I, I love and obviously being a, a wrestling fan and, you know, seeing what's happening in, in the, uh, the, the WWE, um, half the roster is full of people that aren't there. <laughs> I know we were joking about this, but it it's actually bizarre. Like, obviously, you know, there were a lot of releases in the past year from WWE, but it's quite interesting that so many of them are included in the game and that wrestlers who are currently working on the roster aren't. You know, I was talking to you, I love the Iconics and, you know, they're no longer with the WWE, but they're still in the game. And I've gone out of my way to include them in any way, shape I can. You know, my female wrestler's entrance is the Iconics music. So, like, hmm. I'm I'm here parading and enjoying all of the, the wrestlers that are no longer with the brand. Yeah, and it's like, I would imagine that a lot of this is just because the dev team did not have time at all because it felt like any random day WWE would release, like, 10-plus wrestlers and, like, come on, man what are you doing? So that was pretty funny. Um, I did get a good chuckle out of seeing a few of them, especially the ones that um, that were fairly recently released, like, you know, the Jeff Hardys of the world, the Keith Lees, the, the old uh, the old Carrion Crosses, yet Bray Wyatt isn't in the game. The Fiend is, isn't in the game, yet the Iconics were released before him. Yeah, exactly. It's, look, it's one of those things we can't have it all, but in terms of... You know, the right step, the right direction for for wrestling fans, for WWE 2K fans, it's a a big improvement. It's actually quite an enjoyable game, some little minor bugs, but definitely a sign of hope, I think. You know, hopefully this this is a learning experience for 2K. They can build upon this and potentially bring these wrestling games back to, I guess, the popularity and and height that they used to have. Hi, I'm Dan Golding, a video game composer of Untitled Goose Game and others. Uh, You're listening to Player One on Sin. I'm Dem. I'm joined by Eleni, Bubsy and Max. And by Bubsy, I mean Connor. How good, how good. And we have heard of a fantastic new addition to the Xbox Series S. It's third party, not, not official content, but still great. If you've seen it anywhere online, you probably know what I'm talking about. It's a screen attachment for the Xbox Series S. How exciting, making it an essentially portable console. The X screen accessory is a new Kickstarter that has been released online. But yeah, guys, Xbox fans, friends, Xbox Series S is getting all of this amazing, amazing stage time and here we are here we are talking about it what do, what do we think xbox people says the filthy playstation person <laughs> oh my god those playstation people talking about xbox no i love it it reminds me well actually no i can't speak because i'm actually going to mention a playstation um it reminds me of the old playstation one lcd screen attachment where you'd clip it to the back of the console 
keep in mind, you would need to plug it in. So I will use the term portable very loosely because um, it's not going to be like a switch where you can just take an Xbox on the go, even though that would be kind of cool. Yeah, it's um, the, the fattest freaking... Yeah, I know, less, right? Like, uh, thing. I mean, like, I suppose the uh, the GameCube screen could probably compete for the biggest laptop you've ever owned. Like, you that ain't one, getting this thing into a, into a laptop bag, guys. Sorry? That thing would be the blockiest laptop of them all, but I like it. I think it's cute. I think it's cool. You attach it to the back of the Xbox Series S and away you go. You play your games. And I can respect that. It's a fun little peripheral. I don't think I'm going to get it, but listen, I'm not mad at any sort of new peripheral that allows to play the Xbox Series S a bit more freely around the house. So... Like, why not? You know, it, it's cool. I like it. It's it, it, and it looks like it makes the Xbox Series S look a bit chunkier as well. Like, I, I love the design of it. I like the shape of it. But Eleni, you're you're the uh, you're one of the Xbox gals here. Tell me, what what do you think? I'm I'm actually super excited for this. I mean, yeah, it it is quite a quite a hefty fee. It's definitely an expensive accessory. Um, but. It's awesome. And I love in particular that it's giving the Series S some love. It's specifically made for the Series S. You know, obviously the Series X is sort of the bigger console that, you know, would I would say is the the direct competition to the PS5, I guess. But the Series S is a little gem of a console. I absolutely love it. I own one. So I, I definitely could see myself picking picking this up in in the future. And I think it's really cool in terms of the creativity of accessories. It's so nice to see something else other than you know like a a different controller or a different what have you it's really cool to see some people really taking the initiative to produce an alternative to I guess the typical console gaming experience and yeah the the people who created it Upspec Gaming have done a fantastic job of making sure people are aware of it and as, as we said it's been circulating in the news a lot lately in terms of how it performs based off reviews people have said that it performs quite well. There are definitely some lagging issues and in terms of maintaining frame rates, it does lag and drop at times. But overall, they said it's a really great nifty little accessory. And I'm really excited. Like, it's so cool because, you know, imagine in however many years we have consoles that are basically turning into like giant chunky Nintendo Switches. I don't know. What do you think, Max? What are your thoughts on this one? You know, I, like, it's cool, but it's sort of one of those things where, like, they say it's portable, except you've got to have, you know, the big power supply with you. Yeah, yeah. So unless you've, got, unless you've got, like, a diesel generator on the tram or something, like, you're not going to be able to play this. Like, I don't know. I, th- like, I think it's cool, but also, like, I don't know. It feels a bit unnecessary because... I mean, yeah, I agree. From the outside in, it does just seem like you could do a cheap setup. But I feel like it's... Is it the convenience that you're paying for in the end? Well, it's hardly convenient though, because at, at that point, like, you, you, well, because you've already got to have it in your house with you, right? Yeah, totally. So just like, what are you, what are you actually getting here? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I, I tend to agree, and as a filthy Nintendo um, 
Nintendo PlayStation person. You could almost call me the enemy, in fact. Hi, I'm Elmza, and you're listening to Player One on Sin. And guys, just a little heads up to all those listening out there. We are going into heavy mode. There have been some big things happening in the US. To be honest, you're probably wondering, which one are they going to talk about? Because there have been many things happening over in the old United States of America. Um, but just remember, guys, that there is always help. There is Beyond Blue at one 334 Heads Helpline at one 800 and QLife Helpline at 1-800-184-527. Consider this your trigger warning, guys. We're going into big mode. And so we're talking about this week a rather disturbing uh, a bill of sorts. Um, we're 65, but in, in sense, we're talking about the 65 companies that signed an open letter uh, against this law, which is the Texas anti-trans laws. Uh, some companies included in the letter were Microsoft, EA, and Gearbox, to name a few, um, which is good to see the gaming industry supporting LGBTQ plus rights. Eleni, did you have more on the topic? Yeah, yeah. So um, I guess just to give our listeners some context to what this this open letter is in regards to, um, last month, uh, Texas Governor Greg Abbott essentially ordered bills to be passed basically working against the idea of supporting transgender children in particular. Um, so basically, I guess to, to sum- summarize what this bill is allowing, it's calling for child protective services to investigate families of transgender children. So any child wanting to receive gender affirming healthcare for child abuse or wanting any support, you know, under the trans umbrella, basically the, the government of the state is saying, we're not going to support that, but On the flip side, something that Dem mentioned before was that a lot of companies have come out and condemned this bill, which is fantastic to see. Um, In particular, some companies that Dem highlighted, EA Gearbox and Microsoft have signed the open letter basically saying, we don't agree with with this bill at all. And we're going to support the trans community, all of those young children and adults living in Texas suffering from this bill. They're going to try however they can to support them. Something that the letter says is that our companies do business, create jobs and serve customers in Texas. And they then went on to say, we are committed to building inclusive environments where our employees can thrive inside and outside of the workplace. For years, we have stood to ensure LGBTQ plus people, our employees, customers, and their families are safe and welcomed in the communities where we do business. So that's a direct quote from this open letter. I think it's fantastic step forward in supporting the trans community the LGBTQ community in Texas, given that, you know, in the past year, past six months, we've seen some bills and legislation passed through the state, you know, whether it be anti-gay laws, whether it be anti-abortion laws, it's it's been a very difficult time for the people of Texas. So it's fantastic to see these companies coming out and showing their support for those people. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Max, what do you, what do you think about this support being shown from these big gaming companies and other companies? Um, well, I think it's I think it's good though. I think it's really nice that because um, I mean, like even even ten years ago, probably all these companies probably wouldn't have come out and said anything about this. So I think it's a really nice um, change for once that all these companies go, no, no, we're gonna we're gonna do the right thing. We're gonna stand up, um, and they've simply put it in their thing. Uh, just says discrimination is bad for business. Just summarized beautifully. They just said, well, you know, we're not gonna stand for this. Yeah, and one thing to note, um, and I'd love to sort of get your thoughts on this, Connor, is obviously last year we did a lot of coverage on 
the sexual harassment and misconduct of Activision Blizzard, which was a, a horrible thing plaguing the gaming community. But I guess one thing now is obviously Microsoft have acquired um, those developers and seeing their name on this open letter gives hope that maybe the the workplace of Activision Blizzard could have a complete transformation. What do you think about that, Connor? Could we see a safer workplace as a knock-on effect of Microsoft having acquired that company? Obviously, any safer workplace is a better workplace. Um, I don't know in terms of that side of things because currently Activision, Activision Blizzard is still Activision Blizzard. It's still, I'm sure even to this day, discrimination is still very much there. Um, in the future, that I hope it does change with Microsoft taking the helm and I hope that they do um, implore more people of colour, more people of different sexual um, orientations, religions, beliefs, all that, all that jazz. I hope we have a more inclusive working environment. Um, it's a bigger issue than that, guys. But unfortunately, we run a tight ship around here. Um, if you guys are more interested in it, check it out. There's so much going on in the LGBTQ plus environment that you can use your help. So investigate anything, learn about things in, and, and educate yourselves and others around you. And now moving on to another topic that, you know, is, is a interesting topic in the gaming space something we've covered a lot is sort of the restrictions that china have implemented in terms of content coming into the country particularly looking at gaming content of course being a gaming show um and sort of an update i guess or a natural progression to that is that a new south china morning post report has sort of began detailing china expanding these restrictions particularly in terms of the online gaming space um looking at sort of the focus being on minors and really wanting to regulate sort of the input and I guess gaming consumerism for the younger generation. Um, so to just got to give you a bit of context to this, um, this sort of implementation would include minors and live streaming, audio and video, video and social media services. And basically these new regulations would call on online servers to provide and create a youth mode, which would then reportedly include limits on allowed usage time, content, and how much they're allowed to spend on online purchases. And now this is an interesting interesting discussion in that sort of the context of this, China wanting to really control, as I said, the input and output of gaming content is quite a negative thing, you know, looking at banning things like LGBTQ plus representation, any sort of diversity being represented in a gaming space is something that China do love to ban. So we absolutely condemn that. But I guess I, I pose the question to my, my fellow player one hosts, is this sort of idea quite quite reasonable? You know, the idea of maybe monitoring, you know, youth consumer gaming in a way that could prevention prevent, you know, something like online purchases. We all hear horror stories of young kids, you know, using their parents' credit cards and spending thousands or hundreds of dollars on gaming transactions and whatnot. Um, you know, maybe the, the context of this introduction isn't great, but is it actually not a bad idea? What do you think, Connor? In theory and on paper, this doesn't sound terrible, but given the context of who this is coming from, it doesn't make it any better. Um, this was something like this is an extension of China's regulation of video games, especially with the with the minor community. So obviously, um, I believe it was sometime in 2020 or maybe late 2019 where they wanted to put a ban on the duration of time, which I believe for under 18s, it was like for three hours a week. And then for under 14, I believe 
it was for two hours a week. And the gaming space in China is very restrictive to begin with. So to provide context, um, there aren't any console manufacturers that really make money from China. The only the only console that's actually available in China from one of the major um, publishers is the Nintendo Switch. And that took a lot of negotiating and a lot of a lot of talks with the government to actually even even have to begin with. And even then the game library is very restrictive. So predominantly gaming is dominated by PC and mobile gaming. So it's either one or the other, but consoles do have a very small presence in China. Um, It's interesting how they would regulate that, whether it's like an online system that you have to sign up in to actually have access to video games to begin with. Um, When I heard audio... um, audio services my first thought was i would hate to be the kid that sleeps the podcasts on spotify and hitting my limit i'd be like oh man like it's this is definitely nothing new and this is not a surprising move because this has just been an an ongoing situation for years so take that as you will like this is going to be the this is the next evolution of what their restrictions are, and there's probably going to be more. I mean, at the same time, to jump off of what you're saying, Connor, I, I feel like it is a it is a positive move still. Like it's a positive move towards something for youth in terms of what they're allowed to do. And I like it's like a it's like a a, a government mandated parenting mode. Like you know, <laughs> that's what it seems like to me. Um, and knowing some of the history of of the situation in gaming in China, it it feels like it feels like it's a move in a direction that is positive for people who want to play games. And I understand why they're doing it because there's also this major issue. I know at least in Japan, I know about it. I'm not sure about China, but I know there's a lot of people who just lock themselves in their homes and do do the gaming constantly and this is to I suppose uh support students to become like to to be their best and grow really intelligent and um they 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 want to have people represent China in the best way possible Hmm. and video game addiction is not the way to go in their minds yeah and they sort of think that um video games only can lead to addiction um yeah which i suppose is a mindset there are many ways that it could be could be the, the way it goes i i don't know people are very different people are very versatile uh diverse etc there are many ways that people can do things i don't know how this will go but i don't I suppose... know has the government has the chinese government ever played baba is you because that game makes you smarter with that with that puzzle solving come on this is Grant Kirkhope, and you're listening to Player One. Now we're talking about the new Batman film, um, which I saw recently, and I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was finally another different type of superhero film that doesn't have the annoying Marvel one-liners every 10 minutes. I thought that was really good, um, and I really liked the darker take on character. Um, you've seen it as well, Eleni. What did you think of it? Yeah, I absolutely loved it. Like you said, it was a a darker take on the character, which I guess, you know, for fans of the comics is exactly how Batman's typically depicted. Um, I thought the cinematography 
was awesome. I, I really adored it. Um, I guess something I'm curious to ask you about Max, something that's been a bit contentious. Um, how did you find the runtime? Do you, do you think it was too long? I, I think it was, I think it was a good choice actually. I think it worked really well. I think it, even though it was three hours long, which would normally sound like a lot of time, and especially if there's ads or, you know, whatever beforehand, you're basically in the, in the theater for like three and a half hours. Um, I actually thought it was good. I thought it was paced really well. Like it didn't feel, it didn't feel boring. And then, at the, you know, three hours just kind of flew by and I really, I really loved it. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, it felt like a long film, but not in the sense of like a three hour film, you know, like it felt like the kind of typical superhero movie, you know, you sit there for over two hours, but I agree that the pacing was so good that you kind of just felt like it was a, a classic sort of, I guess, you know, big feature film. But um, one thing that obviously heading into the film, people were very hesitant to get too hyped about was the casting. Uh, Robert Pattinson as, as Batman, give me your hot take. I, I think he's good. I think he's good. Um, I think after the Ben Affleck, whatever happened there, um, I think he was a good choice. I think that, again, for a different type of movie, that it's not, it's, it's, it's nothing like any of the previous or any other superhero film out there, where it's more of like a thriller sort of mystery sort of thing. Um, I think he was a good choice. Um, and the same choice with um, Jim Gordon, um, played by Jeffrey Wright who I think is, like, again, like, there's been so many great casting choices, um, but I think he's definitely one of the better ones as well. Um, how about you? Yeah, I totally agree with Jeffrey Wright. I think that was the the amazing thing I found about this film is that it was going up against, you know, the stellar cast of the Dark Knight trilogy, you know, regardless of if that's your favourite film or favourite films, um, you can't deny how good the cast was. So I think that this take on Batman did a great job and I guess that could also be attributed to having it sort of a younger Batman meant that all of the characters were a bit younger therefore you know you can't exactly directly compare you know Andy Serkis's Alfred with Michael Caine's given how much older and sort of the different takes on the characters uh but I loved it I thought the casting was great and I guess one thing I, I really wanted to touch on and get your thoughts on was looking at it from a gaming perspective because I think you know it goes without saying that there are comic books that obviously Batman's based off of, but in terms of the the visual style and even sort of the suit and makeup of some of the characters, you know, it really brought me back to sort of the Arkham games, you know, something like Catwoman's suit in my mind was almost like an exact replica of the Catwoman design we get in, in the Arkham games. Even Batman's suit, I think is very similar to the suit in Arkham Knight. Um, so I guess I would love to hear, do you, did you sort of feel that at all? Do you think that now, given the quality of games, we're seeing movies and TV shows you know, taking inspiration from the designs? Um, well, I th that's that's a good question, though, because I feel like, like, I, I think the Batman suit in this, I mean, like, like pretty much for the whole film, like, Batman is made to be almost something of the villain. He's, he's very menacing. He's very um, tall. He takes up a lot of the screen whenever he's, um, whenever the shot focuses on him, which I think is a really good choice. Uh, um, yeah, but like, like you said, with... Um, Catwoman. Actually, no, because I was going to say that, like, with some of the other characters, I liked the more subtle take on their on their costumes, right? Like, it doesn't need to be like like for the Riddler, it's a very um, toned down outfit where he's just got he's pretty much covered because he doesn't want to leave any evidence on the scene. Um, and how the Penguin doesn't have a really annoying umbrella that he flies around on. It's just that he's got a bit of a hobble and a long nose. 
which I think is a much better take on the character that it's for the more serious film. Oh, I thought you were going to like, sorry, Dem chipping in here. I thought you were going to be like, uh, yeah, G- uh, Jim Carrey's uh, Riddler was a oh, bit Jim much Carrey's for Riddler. me. If only there was like a No Way Home style cameo where Jim Carrey showed up or whatever. <sighs> that would have been amazing. Spoilers, that doesn't happen. Oh, no. Amazing. Dan, sorry. Dan, Dan, yeah. Dane DeVito is the penguin here. Um, honestly, if he would return, like the world would be better. It would be a better place. It would. But um, like you said, the, the casting was great. I thought it was an really enjoyable film i'm really excited to see what they do with the series you know it's made a ton of money so there's no denying that they'll probably ramp up the schedule of of the sequel to have it released hopefully within the next couple years but anyone listening in who hasn't seen it you know max and i this is our strong recommendation it's a great film if you're a batman fan superhero fan film noir fan even and now some some lovely gaming awards not the typical gaming awards but some new gaming awards that i think uh even better than than the basic ones we're used to because these are the gaming accessibility awards now for any listeners tuning in thinking i've never heard of these before that's because it's a very new thing they were first introduced last year and this is the second annual accessibility awards that they've done um the event was actually hosted by able gamers Stephen Svon, and um of course you know one of my favorite australian games journalists now writer alana pierce um, so it was a really amazing event, a great event that really promoted inclusivity in the gaming space. Something that, you know, we've discussed on the show previously, even earlier today, the gaming space and community is really evolving and adapting in a way that shows great positivity. So we'd love to see it, love to hear it. In terms of these gaming awards, what's awesome is they are absolutely tailored to accessibility in video games, something that maybe hasn't always been there dating back to older games but now we see great features great functions that allow anyone and anyone really anyone and everyone I should say to play games um so I thought it'd be great to sort of have a bit of a rundown of of the game awards um Dem did you want to take it away and maybe run through some of the awards what they are give a bit of context and some of our winners Indeed, it's an absolute privilege to be giving you guys some insight into these. Um, I'll highlight a couple and we'll see from there. My favourite as of right now is the Remapping Award, an award for games that present the best option for remapping buttons and input commands in-game. Something that I feel like a lot of games, especially Nintendo games, tend to uh, bypass generally because, you know, like, it's our controller. Um, Fantastically... uh, Final Fantasy XIV Endwalker actually won that one this year round. Uh, The Second Channel Award, an award for games that feature design around players having a second or different way to get information they need to progress. It's actually won by Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, an equally interesting one. Uh, Multi-lanes, I suppose, of getting around objectives. Other ones that were great uh, were... Uh, I thought the Training Grounds Award, an award for games that give players a place in-game or a way to increase their own skill level using weapons or other systems, which was won by Halo Infinite. And uh, this one I think is really interesting because a lot of people would have complained about this if they didn't think about it as an able-bodied person. Uh, Ability to bypass, something that's become more prevalent in more modern games, an award for games that allow players to bypass challenges or sections of a game to progress forward, which are was actually won by Life is Strange True Colors by Deck Nine and Square Enix. I think that is an incredibly interesting one and it, it does demonstrate some of the um, 
the get good vibe around. I mean, the ableist vibe around a lot of opinions within the video game sector where people often will be like, oh, it's, you know, baby mode. It's like, no, maybe, maybe that is too hard because there is nothing more frustrating than having a game and getting stuck behind something that is near impossible seemingly for you um, and being able to get past that easy, done, sorted, not worry about it and then get on to the next thing. I think that's an incredible one. Other good ones were Peer Assistance Award, an award for games that allow players to progress forward with the help of another player, which was won by It Takes Two, Hazelight Studios and EA. Uh, and uh, just, just to top it all off, let's talk about the Clear Text Award, an award for games that feature accessible options for reading Hell text yeah. on screen. We love that. Halo Infinite, the big winner. Uh, incredible series of stuff. I'm, I'm chuffed by this. I think... I don't know about you guys listening in, but oh, I didn't know this this uh, these game awards existed, and I think they're fantastic because they promote fantastic things. But Eleni, what did you have to add on? Yeah, well, I think what's fantastic, especially, is sort of looking at you know the the list of games you, that you read out there. It's amazing to see that a lot of these games are developed by you know the bigger companies, the bigger publishers. Because I think at the end of the day, obviously, to have any real impact, any real change, you sort of need the people at the top to be really reinventing. I guess, cultures or environments. So seeing things like Ubisoft and Far Cry 6, seeing 343 and Halo Infinite, obviously some really big releases we got last year. It's it's a sign of the times in terms of, like you said, Dem, changing the, the conversation away from this idea of get good and sort of this elitist culture that has maybe permeated the gaming space in previous years, this idea of, you know, the heart of the game, the heart of the difficulty, the the better the game in some sense so i think it's really lovely not only to have accessibility like we do now but to have a whole awards show celebrating that it is an absolute change up from what we've seen in i think the past 10 years in the gaming space um connor what do you what do you think about this i well firstly i did not know this was a thing until now and i just love the award categories because it's just like it's fun it's it's kind of cool because I like seeing those options in my games. Like I may not be, you know, visually impaired. You know, I don't need colorblind options, but I love that they're there because it'll allow more people to actually play the game as intended. And of course, with any sort of controller changes you can make to make the game easier, more and more enjoyable for those who want to play the game, but perhaps may have been too intimidated by it previously. So hell yeah, anything to make more people... Um, enjoy and play more games I'm all down for I'm very curious actually now that I think about it um, I'm very curious to see when the next evolution of adaptive controllers will come out because I know obviously with Xbox they released the um, adaptive control I think back in 2017-2018 I'm very interested to see how that's going to evolve actually now that I think about it yeah I think at the end of the day like Dem was saying before, it boils down to this complete attitude shift in terms of making the gaming community and gaming space something that can be enjoyed and celebrated by all walks of life. Any person can can now pick up a game, you know, if there's a game that they see online, they think that looks cool. Hopefully, odds are that it'll have the accessibility functions available so that anyone can play that. Um, Before we wrap up, though, Max... What are, your, what are your thoughts on this? What do you think about the idea of having an annual accessibility awards for the gaming space? Uh, yeah, well, pretty much what everyone's just said, I think it's a nice change of pace. I think it's good that games are more accessible because, of course, as more and more people start to play them, 
everyone's a different skill level. Some people might not be able to play certain parts of it. So I think it's it's a really good thing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And as we, we mentioned earlier in the segment, you know, this is only the second year they've done this. So in the years to come, we sh- could see sort of the, the variety of categories expand we could see you know more press or I guess more attention being drawn to these awards you know I I I discovered these recently and you know having had this discussion it seems like it's not something that's commonly known which is a shame but as we said it's something that's just been brought in so hopefully you know in the future we'll see this be as big if not you know larger than the typical game awards maybe even they'll combine them all together okay okay I've got to get I'll Michael Transactions has done it again, Dem. I can't freaking believe it. Okay. Now, I was excited for Chocobo GP. Now, I've become a bit of a fan of Final Fantasy. I played Final Fantasy VII last year, really loved it. And I was excited to play Chocobo Racing because I like Chocobo Racing in Final Fantasy VII. Um, So I was keen. And this was announced at a Nintendo Direct and I was like, cool, this sounds like fun. This sounds like a good Mario Kart clone. And up to release, there wasn't really any major news. There were some early reviews that came out that were pretty positive. Some were mixed. But then Square Enix has been doing deals with Michael Transactions because as soon as the game launched to the public, (laughs) they put Michael Transactions in this game when in the review copies, there were nothing. So in all of the coverage pre-release, there was no mention of microtransactions. There was no mention of in-game purchases because that feature was not turned on. Now in the release of Chocobo GP, the first thing, and I freaking kid you not, the first thing that you see in this game, when you boot up the game, when you get to the start screen, is an advertisement for goddamn in-game currency. No. Oh, no. The first goddamn thing you see. And then on top of that, okay, on top of that, this wasn't announced until later, a freaking season pass, like a battle pass, so that you can unlock Cloud Strife. Now, this is is not a free-to-play game. This is a fifth, well, in Australia, a $60-ish game, okay? This is not a free game. This is a paid game that you are shelling your hard-earned money for. And what you get is more advertisements to waste your money on stupid in-game cosmetics that don't mean a thing. Okay, so you have the battle pass that unlocks Cloud Strife. And you know who you know who likes Cloud? Every freaking Final Fantasy fan. Okay, we want to play as Cloud. Mm. So guess what? You got to grind up until level to level 60 or some crap like that. And then on top of that, the grind is slow. So it's forcing you to put unnecessary amounts of time into a game unless you want to pay for cloud. But Square Enix and the scum they are have tried to, oh, no, but listen, we'll make it up to you. We're going to give you, you're going to get the first battle pass for free. Oh, but, but you got to use it in five months because that's when the season ends. Oh, and then, oh, we're going to work on it. Why did you put them in in the first goddamn place when you're going to be milking an audience that's going to be niche to begin with? 
and then you're going to turn them away from the game. This is not the first time Square Enix has truly lowered itself to, this is going to be EA levels of scum, okay? And I'm talking like the gum that I stepped my shoe on accidentally. Hello, this is Howard Scott Warshaw. I created Yars Revenge, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and the E.T. video games for Atari way back when. And I just want you to know that you are not only listening, but you are enjoying Player One on Sin. Go on, enjoy it. And now it's exciting because it's quiz time. I'm, I'm so excited, I just can't hide it. Um, I'm in charge of the quiz this week, so just prepare yourself. Um, and first time so this is is your chance to prove that you are the quiz master of player one i'm I'm, I'm a little i'm starting to get a little nervous okay so we we all know the rules buzzing with with your name uh to answer and then i'll just pick whoever i think said it first or just whoever i feel like really who knows um (laughs) (laughs) caution to the wind let's go so let's just jump right into it okay so first question uh, the United States Air Force used which gaming console to create a Damn. cluster supercomputer? Yep. It was the PS2. No. no. Oh, Connor. Yeah. Um, ooh, was it the PS4? No. Oh. Oh, my God. Oh, wait a minute. Eleni. Yeah. W- was it the PS3? It was the PS3. Yeah. Okay, so the PS2 one that you mentioned, that was actually rumored to be used by actual, by terrorists as a supercomputer, not the US Air Force. Oh, because I know that there was investigation into its use as like a a high quality computer module, but I, I guess the PS3 was when they caught on. I don't know. You know what? It it was all those, it was all those uh, SD card slots. That's what the Mm -hmm. US Air Force used them for. Yeah, yeah. Um, and look, I think we've um, have we run out of time for the show. Now I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Max. All right. Ne- next question. Okay, so um, which game did the famous actor Robin Williams reportedly name his daughter Connor. after? Yeah, Connor. You got it. Legend of Zelda. Yeah, easy. I mean, the, yeah, it's kind of an easy one. But just, yeah. No, yeah. I'm telling Connor to wrap up because he cut into my Zelda, <laughs> my Zelda game. Got it. I had to get in there. Oh, my territory there just absolutely them. stomped on. Okay. All over your turf. All right. Disaster next question. Turf. So which country refused to provide a rating for Fallout 3 due to morphine Connor. use in the game, Connor? Uh, I believe it was Australia. That's correct. It's Australia. Yeah. Um, oh, no. There was the same thing for, I think it was DayZ. For, but for other it's, it's paraphernalia. Yeah. Wait, so just to clarify, refuse to give rating in terms of like what would um, allow like the drug for, morphine for drug use. Um, it had to be. I think it had to be renamed from morphine to like some fictional um, fallout drug. Yeah, to some fictional fallout drug to get past the the ratings. Isn't um, it amazing how that works? Like in terms of how they just change the name? Because you think about all of the stuff things like GTA and Saints Row yeah, get away no, with right? just because they've <laughs> created fake names for everything. That's I never knew that. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, all right, next question. And this is a Bioshock-related question because um, we're just talking about it, um, which now I realise that if you played it, you'll get this immediately, but we'll go for it anyway. Um, <laughs> so in the original Bioshock game, um, what is the phrase that is revealed to be part of the game? Connor. Uh, Connor. 
Oh shit! No, oh, I heard me. Lenny first. No, 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 no! I didn't even get a chance to answer. This oh, is a conspiracy. This, Too much this hesitation, is, babe. This is this is not a democracy. Um, <laughs> the quizmaster is using his privileges to benefit wow. me because the the answer you're looking for, Max, is "Would you kindly." That's correct. Oh, this is a conspiracy. A <laughs> conspiracy. It happened last year, but you know who came out as the winner? Me. And it's going to happen again. Oh, no. Um, you realize also, you're winning this quiz still, right? I think it's a tie. Um, yeah, you are currently tied. So, like, just. Yeah, like, yeah. It's take a tie it right easy. now. But you take know what? Damn, Dem, you could come back for the win. You never know. But so far, I must say, Max, I'm really enjoying you as Quizmaster. Yeah, I know. I, what I like is that the questions don't require in, like a really in-depth knowledge of the game's actual code. You can sort of understand. Oh! <laughs> you know, I am the producer. Of, I'm half the producer uh -oh. of the show, and I can cut you off at any time. <laughs> yeah, but then, <laughs> but see, but then it's 50-50. Exactly. One half is saying we're cutting you off. The other half is saying continue. So just yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I guess we're in an impasse, fellas. We are. Um, but so Connor's on two, I'm on two, Dem's on zero. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, that's correct. We're halfway there. I, I personally think a more niche quiz would be a, a <laughs> So a Dem quiz. And we're in the second half of the quiz. It's a marathon. People have got to pace themselves. Um, so, okay. We're, we're just going to jump right into it because I really want to see who wins this and also because I don't want to have to do it again next week. Um, okay. So uh, just a general question to start off with. Um, in what year did Apple launch the App Store? Uh, Connor. Connor. Um, I believe it was 2008. That's correct, 2008. Because yeah. I think like one of the first apps that was released, or in terms of games, one of the first apps was like a Super Monkey Ball game. <gasps> yes, I miss the like classic iPod Touch games. They were just unbeatable, though, honestly. Though it did bring a dark period in Crash Bandicoot because then you had Crash Nitro Kart 2 and then Crash, like Crash Nitro Kart 2, but it was should have been 3 um, on the iPhone. Those were dark times. No, but then we had like, you know, all of the Angry Birds games. I just remember my Apple Touch being full Fruit, of them. Fruit you know Ninja. Fruit Ninja. That, 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 that was top tier. Those, like, those like lightsaber apps where it was like you press that. Oh, my God. Remember the novelty of like yeah. the apps where you pour water from your phone? Oh. Oh, the, the, days. Take me back. Uh, the Ocarina app. I remember that one was really <laughs> yes. cool. Yes. Oh, so oh good. and Temple Run. Yeah, Temple Run was classic. Oh, boy. Yeah. All right. So next question. <laughs> sorry. I mean, sorry to get to interrupt you a little, a little bit. Sorry. Um, okay, so next question is, what was the first handheld electronic game system with a color LCD screen? Connor. Um, I believe it was the Atari Lynx. That's correct. It is the Atari Lynx. Yeah, because I, I was tossing up between the Game Gear or the Lynx, but I realized the Atari Lynx released, I believe, the same year as the Game Boy in 89. And here's the sad part. The Atari Lynx could have really succeeded. But it didn't. because It, it didn't, like, no. It, the, the library of games was very weak. Atari was a dead brand. Um, it was a good effort, but it, but it just didn't work. Yeah. Anyway, um, our next question, and this is there's going to be quite a few answers for this one. Um, so, following the 2011 PlayStation Network outage, um, Sony allowed players to choose two games out of a small selection. Um, name two of the PS3 games among them. Connor, I'll take a I'll take a guess because this is actually this is actually quite an interesting one. Like. Yeah. I'll give you props good, for this one, Max. Good quiz master. I I'm, I'm going to say one of them was Uncharted 2 and the other 
was ooh, what were other like what were the other PlayStation exclusives from back then? I'm going to say Little Big Planet two. Okay, so you're wrong on both of those, but the okay. effort was nice. That's fine. Um, That's fine. I, I'll like, take that. Would anyone else like to take a stand at the question? Um, damn. Yeah. May I ask a question? Um, no. Cool. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, I as a as a non Sony person between yeah. the years of whatever and whatever, um, basically I've just been started being a Sony set person again. Um, is it so? Hang on, they were first party games, yes. Um, I believe they all were, yeah. All first party games, and they were all post twenty eleven. So, yeah, following the 2011 big PlayStation Network hack, Sony was like, look, we're sorry, you can have two of these, you know, selection of games to make up mm. for the, the last year. And Connor said Little Big Planet and... He said Little Big Planet 2 and Uncharted 2, which both yeah. which weren't in... Um, we, the, but both the of them were first party, so that sort of knocks some mm. off for you, Dem. Yeah. I reckon... How many can I say? Two. Uh, two. two? I would say God of War and oh feck, I was gonna say COD, but it's not first party. Um Ratchet and Clank. Uh okay, I'll have to give you points for the Ratchet and Clank one because there was the Ratchet and Clank, um, the the pirate one. I forgot my name. I've actually got it written here as Ratchet and Clank the Pirate one, so I couldn't be bothered to write the name. Um, <laughs> good, so good that, that is that is one of them. But yeah, um, not bad, Dan. The other one isn't. Yeah. Right. Thank you for your patronizing <laughs> comments. Not bad, babe. One point. <laughs> but no, yeah, that was a, those were actually good guesses. Those are actually really good guesses. Yeah. I'm surprised it's not God of War. When you said that, I was like, damn, that's what I had. Um, yeah, like God of War, I thought would have been a shoe in. While you were answering, I was tempted to just run away and like check out my <laughs> PS3 collection to see what was there. Um, all right, and you said this was 2011. Uh, 2011, yes. I think it was towards the end of the year, though. I don't, I don't know why that would change the pants, but. Okie dokie. I think it was a um, Aspire game and a Crash game. Look, again, good guess, completely wrong, but um, I'm loving the enthusiasm. The, okay, I'm just going to read the list of games. So the list of games was Wipeout HD slash Fury, Little Big Planet 1, which is oh. like, it was so close. Should have just said Little Big Planet. Far. Yeah, I would have, I forgot to pay that actually. Um, Infamous, Dead Nation, Super Stardust HD, Ratchet and Clank the Pirate 1, Hustle Guys, sorry, Hustle Kings, The Last Guy. Trashbox, and then Loco Roco and Echo Chrome. Ooh, Roco Roco. Yeah. Well, so um, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, even though I'm saying this begrudgingly, but I think that uh -oh. that left Connor on four points, me on two, Dem on zero. Well, there's still one, one question. Is there still one more question? Yeah, still one more. Oh, Dem and I've got this in the bag. Connor, no worries. <laughs> yeah, also, Eleni, I got one point. Thank oh, you sorry. very much. Oh, yeah. oh, you did. Yeah, Connor congratulated you. Very patronizing. Oh. <laughs> sitting there with his, like, 20 points. Well done, Jim. Congratulations. Oh, I'm sitting with my boy, Bobsy. All right, take us okay, away, so Max. Last question is, uh, what was the name of the last video game console that Sega released? Connor. Um, I'm going to give that to uh, Dem. Ah, oh, yeah. conspiracy. Because I'm judge, jury, and executioner. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
That's just energy palpitating from this. Damn you. Um, I believe it was the Sega Saturn, and I feel like now I'm wrong because Connor's leaning forward. The enthusiasm was fantastic. Connor. So, okay, there's two answers to this. If we want to go like gimmicky, gimmicky console, like a like a remaster, you had the Sega Genesis Mini. But if we're going for actual consoles itself, it was the Sega Dreamcast. Yes, the Dreamcast. That is correct. Was the Dreamcast the last one they released? Yeah. I mean, to be fair, it was like a fetus, so you know. Yeah, I wasn't. Even, yeah, I wasn't even born yet. I've never actually even held a Dream like Dreamcast controller before. So like. Oh, okay. I guess I'm not that much of a fetus then. <laughs> <laughs> like I've always wanted to at least play on the Dreamcast, but I never have. Yeah, it's a pretty, pretty weird cool. experience. That little screen is very odd. Yeah. Like here's the thing: the Dreamcast itself as a console was really ahead of its time. Like it was actually a legitimately good console. It just wouldn't be able to handle the anti-piracy. Yeah. Mm. That's what killed right, well, it. Well, congratulations, Connor, because you're on five points. Dem had one point, and Lemmy had two. So that means you have to make the quiz for next week. Um, All right, I've got a good one lined up. Three. Now, okay, how do we how do we feel, Dem? Do you think that that quiz was? I'd just like to say, people, um, niche does not mean bad. <laughs> and now, folks, unfortunately, it is the time we say goodbye, we say farewell, and we say see you next week. But before we get to that, of course, it is the end of the show. And if you want to check out any more amazing content that we do here at Player One. You can check us out on the socials at Player One Sin on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We'll keep you up to date on anything we've got coming up, any awesome interviews, any cool podcast stuff. It'll all be there for you to check out. Speaking of podcast stuff, if you want to listen to our lovely voices even more than you already do on a Monday night, head to Omni Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Player One, all of our radio shows and radio apps are there in podcast form, as well as some awesome reviews. Connor has been a busy man. He's got a review up of Crash Nitro Fueled, Tetris Effect, and Popeye on Switch. So check those out. Some awesome content we've got on the YouTube world because Elmza, a Twitch streamer from Canberra who loves all things Nintendo, sat down and chatted to me. So that's there on the YouTube platform, as well as, of course, the podcast realm as too. Now, before you know, we say goodnight. Folks, what do you want to say to our dear listeners? Let's start with you, Dem. What have you got? I'd just like to say uh, niche quizzes are good quizzes. And I know that everybody seems to be coming at me a little bit here, you know, and I'd just like to say that I did enjoy that quiz, and that was great. Uh, yeah, so, you know, quizzes be quizzes. Leave it at that. I don't know. This has no point. Uh I enjoyed this evening. I enjoyed being here with you people. It's been a good time, good place. And I'm hoping to see you all again next week for a wonderful time again. Max, what have you, what have you got for us, dear? Um, I don't, I've got nothing to say. I've, I um, usually always have something to say, but I am, I'm completely speechless. I have nothing. Um, unless we want to talk about, can I just talk about this, this fridge that I found? I, this has nothing to do with the show, but I got to tell people about this because it's, it's shocked me. There's this fridge. It's by a German company. I can't say the name because it's, you know, Sin, but, um, not a Sin, but Sin, the, the radio studio. Um, basically it's this fridge and it has this compartment. It can store an apple for up to a month. And I was so shocked by this. It has changed my life. My life goal is now to get this fridge. It can store salmon for a week. 
that's it. I just wanted to tell people about that. Wait, but I thought Apple. Wait, 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 wait. Is that longer than an apple can normally be stored in a fridge? Yes. Yeah, that's. I. I mean, it's a whole month. That's one twelfth of the year. I suppose I don't store my apples for like a month at a time. Hey. Well, you could if you had this fridge. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I feel like that would that I would just buy too many groceries and they'd all live in the fridge. Anyway, that 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 was all I had to say. Have you got anything from? Yeah, well, I'm a nectarine guy personally, so. That'll yeah, last probably like a year in this fridge. Oh my wow. God, I'm keen for that. I need a year supply of nectarines. But um, <laughs> as well, uh, next week, we're going to have Kath and or Kim join us as special guests for the show. Um, please give them a warm welcome. Um, and uh, as well, yeah, you're stuck with me as now the quiz master. I'm going two years in a row, baby. Da, 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 da. Cool. Well, on that note, good night, folks. You know, I think a plum. With, um, with one probably, would probably last like a decade. Yeah, place. I mean, but no, but they they break down really quick. I was going to say this earlier, but I just like think maybe, plum, like maybe. A, I mean, honestly, a couple of hours, if I'm honest. You know what though? Mm. I'd love to see how long a pineapple would last. Is pineapple's my personal favorite fruit. Like, I love pineapple on anything. Besides myself. Yeah, um, play once in. Nice. Yeah, play once in. Yeah, have a good night, everybody. Peace. Go, go have a piece of fruit and yeah. enjoy your night. Yeah. Go go eat a strawberry. Gotta find this fridge.